the overarching theme is that there is this movement of amazing dads just hiding amongst us and and that there's almost you might say a majority of of fathers who are who are acting from a base of fatherhood that is vastly different to one generation ago Hello, my name is Richard Bolas and welcome to the Dad Mindset Show, where we explore different perspectives on being a father with the aim of becoming less bad at being a dad. This episode, I chat with Andrew McCutcheon, who is one of the founding members of The Fatherhood, a media brand to help fathers navigate through the hot mess of having kids. Andrew describes everything from sharing parenting stories with Matt Damon and Chris Hemsworth on a yacht in Monaco, to how men can often bottom out when they have their first child and the advice he would give someone at that time. I hope you really enjoyed this chat with Andrew. Andrew McCutcheon, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I oh, know it's been fantastic sort of watching the lead up to uh, what's going to be happening next week. Can you tell us a bit about your week so far? Well, we're in the sort of frantic lead up to the launch of our book, The Fatherhood, which is the name of the business and in a way the, it's sort of the place that we're hoping to create for dad so you know the fatherhood as in the father neighborhood so um it aims to be and has ambitions to be many things yeah and what gave you the um drive originally because it's not just yourself is it no no definitely not this is a um, would never ha- have happened with any one of us, but it, it's me, it's Luke Benedictus, who was the editor of Men's Health for a very long time, and Jeremy McVean, who is the um, one of the directors of Movember. Who, so if you break that down, you have um, Andrew Me as a sort of a marketing brand and story guy. You have Jeremy, who's um, speaking to uh, a, a tribe of, of men around a cause, which was prostate cancer and Movember. And then you have Luke, who is this mass communicator who had hundreds of thousands of Australian men sort of eating out of the, the palm of his abs at, um, <laughs> at men's health. So it was definitely a case of needing all of those three pieces of the puzzle to, to be ready and in the right place at the right time to create the fatherhood. In a way, we're kind of like a letter each, you know. Luke might be the, I might be the father and Jeremy's the hood, but together we, we make brand, we make business. Oh, fantastic. And so when did you guys actually pull together the idea? When was the inception? <laughs> well, the book actually starts with the story because it's quite a bizarre story. And I can sort of take, it's like a choose your own adventure. Do you want the, the Hollywood answer? Do you want the, like the real kind of, um, down home mates answer, which is, um, yeah, I'll go, I'll go option. I'll go your your answer. My your favorite, answer, your favorite answer. My favorite answer really is God. There's the, yeah, it's just a crapshoot every day. Which one I choose? But I do think that um, that the Hollywood answer is quite true. In that um, I, I was my other life is in watches, and I was in Monaco for the uh, Monaco Grand Prix, and I was very kindly hosted by Tag Heuer, which is a, um, a popular watch brand in Australia, and I was um, staying on a boat in Hercules Harbour in Monaco. And it just so happened that for the period I was there, um, there was only a couple of people in the boat, and it was me, 
uh, Matt Damon and um, Chris Hemsworth. And they had their partners and no kids, so they were just there to have a wild party. And I was there with no one. I had no friends, no family, no anything. So within a few days, we started to get to know each other and been to a few events together, and it all started to break down. And I was able to tell Matt Damon that um, he was kind of my fathering spirit animal. <laughs> Things kind of went a little bit weird. Um, <laughs> That, that's not, not the kind of thing you hear every day. Um, and I had to explain myself. But the, the story is that Matt has a stepdaughter who's um, 20, out in her early 20s, and then he has three girls that are about 18 months apart. I have a stepdaughter who's 21, the same age, and I have three girls that are 16, 17 months apart. So when Matt heard this, he called his wife over and he was just like, man, this guy's like in the blur, because my kids were a lot younger than his at that point. Um, so, look, to cut a long celebrity story short, it just became, I just realized that fatherhood is a great leveler and that money doesn't solve fathering problems. Celebrity doesn't solve fathering problems. Fame does not solve fathering problems. He had the same issues I did. We counseled each other. We cried on each other's shoulders. We solved each other's problems we, we had this really great weekend or this long two or three nights of talking about how to deal with your stepdaughter's dad how to deal with three children under five um he said don't get a nanny don't get an au pair get a, a house manager get someone to help you actually do the admin of your house so that you and your wife have less pressure so we just had this this weekend and on the way home, I wrote to my good friend Luke at Men's Health and said, Luke, Men's Health has to do more dad stuff. And I called my good friend Jeremy at November and said, Jeremy, I think we should do something for dads that you're doing, like you're doing for men with, with uh, prostate cancer. So, And it took a, probably a year from that moment. But over that time, I suppose we just all started to really want this to exist um, and from that kind of very excited email that I sent Luke from an aeroplane on the way home from Monaco to now, we kind of have the exactly what we hoped. And, and, you know, Matt and Chris have been kind in letting us refer to that conversation, letting us use some content from that, um, those discussions. And at the end of the trip, they'd said, you have our blessing to go and make this thing. But you know, make sure you fucking do it. <laughs> <laughs> so here we are. It was a, it did have kind of star started beginnings, but it very quickly became just really hard work. <laughs> and uh, all of that sheen of um, celebrity gloss kind of eventually just became the startup story, which is, are we going to actually do this? Are we going to take a leap of faith and leave our careers and, um, do we believe enough in this mission to, to risk our own livelihoods and security to do it? And I think the answer was yes. Yeah. Do you think there was anything to do with actually leaving a legacy for your children then? Because obviously starting going in for a startup, I mean, you know what it's like having done other startups. It is a big risk, isn't it? And when you've got a family, did that had that way on your mind? Not at all, actually, because I think – the more you do it, it's just like anything else, you know. And I haven't 
epically failed yet in any of my ventures. I've, I've had moderate and low success, but I've never had no success. So I, I haven't been badly burned. Um, and I think in the beginning, you just don't know, you don't know the scale of things. You just, you have a, you have instincts and my instinct about fatherhood and about where, where fatherhood is in kind of the macro of society is that it's coming into focus. It's coming into the, the daily news agenda. There was a story today in the Herald Sun in Melbourne about dads, um, considering themselves in the shadow of, uh, of, of the room when they when the mother and the child are there, they consider that modern dads are excited about fatherhood, but don't know where they stand. So a hundred percent, we were, our instincts were right about fatherhood, the topic of modern fatherhood becoming a part of the daily agenda. So I suppose, you know, right back on the boat, I thought, hang on, if we're having this conversation, and I thought, I actually thought, if this had been filmed, this would revolutionise fatherhood, because the world would see Thor and Jason Bourne from the Bourne Legacy um, talking about being dads and how they're changing their careers to fit their families instead of their families to fit their careers, and how they're thinking actively about how to structure their home life so that they have a sex life and, and some oxygen with their wife. So I just was really struck that what was happening on this boat, if it was captured and projected to dads, it would just change the whole game. We'd be so much more excited about um, being dads and so much more inspired to, to take fatherhood on. Um, so yeah, uh, was I scared that it would fail and that, you know, I, was I inspired by a legacy? No, not at all. Um, I just felt this anxiety and this kind of um, urgency to get the surfboard in the right position for a wave that I felt was coming. Great. And, you, I mean, to say that it was Chris and um, so um, <laughs> I was just going to say Jason Bourne then. But <laughs> anyway, um, so basically, Matt. yeah, Matt Damon. So it wasn't just those two guys because you've interviewed a lot of uh, sort of celebrities now for the book, haven't you? Like, can you name some of the others? Yeah. So we've, look, we've been very fortunate. Um, Hugh Jackman, um, Tim Cahill, David Beckham, Mark Wahlberg, Ben Stiller, Paul Ruse and his son, um, Osher Gunsberg. Um, it really, the name just, the names just roll on and on. And that is because um, as soon as we, went public, even in a tiny way, with this idea that we were going to try and rebrand fatherhood and, and rebrand dad. We just had this overwhelming response of people saying, oh, yeah, I really agree with that, but I've never had this conversation. And um, there, was a, like, there was a real freshness to every single of those conversations because they're just not commonly had, you know. And I think the real freshness going back to that origin moment was that Matt and Chris had never, or even amongst themselves, really gone deep on what legacy they wanted to leave. Like Chris got very honest about he's got a very clear vision of how he wants to be remembered as a dad. And that, that's cool. Like, do you? <laughs> do I? And and it's just a, it's, it's a great conversation. It's a fresh conversation. It's exciting to have this conversation. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I suppose you could just take out the the yacht or wherever you were and supplant it with a barbecue and you'd have exa- it sounds like it was the same conversation we would have in anyone's backyard here. Yeah. And and look, we face criticism early for relying too much on celebrity to get attention. But the point I'm trying to make with that is that we need to force an aspirational view of fatherhood on people because all I've had is dumbass fathers. You know, we've had Homer and um, Phil Dunphy from Modern Family and um, and um, who are my other favorite punching bag dads? Al, Ted Bundy, whatever his name yeah. is. These, there's, we are fed this constant stream of inept, lovably stupid fathers. And I want to say to people, guys, I'm having this conversation about getting a house manager with Matt Damon, who who doesn't he he does the nights every night because he doesn't want his kids to get attached to a nanny that's going to leave. Like it changes the whole game to think that there are super engaged, super committed dads that that are aspirational. Yeah. Well, what would be the the overarching theme then? Would would that be it throughout all the interviewees that you interviewed for the book? The overarching theme is that there is this movement of amazing dads just hiding amongst us and, and that there's almost, you might say, a majority of, of fathers who are, who are acting from a base of fatherhood that is vastly different to one generation ago. So the theme is the shift. You know, let me give you some stats. Like try, try not to glaze over, okay? <laughs> in, in 1970, you ready for this? In 1970, in the American census, Six dads identified as stay-at-home dads. That number in um, 2000 was 2 million. Imagine 20 years later. They haven't had a census and asked the same question since, probably because of Trump. But um, that number would be probably the same exponential again. So we're looking at um, that. That's one factor. In 1982, 43% of UK fathers, that, that's your guys, um, had never changed a nappy. Uh, in 2012, that number was 3%. And you can imagine now in 2020, 2019, that, that number would be practically zero. So we're seeing, and then the biggest stat of all is that our dads spent three times less hours with their kids a week than we do. So there are just these massive tipping point stats that point to a different style of fatherhood, a different, just an entirely different experience of fatherhood. And that's happened in one generation. So the theme of the book is let's talk about and speak to and dive deep with dads that are reflective of modern fatherhood. And importantly, Richard, if I can call you that, you probably sound like you're in trouble. because <laughs> No, it's all good. <laughs> but no, the, the important thing is that in addition to there being um, a different style of fatherhood and a different experience of fatherhood. There are different faces of fatherhood, and we are fully embracing them. The single dad, the gay dad, the um, transgender dad, the divorced dad, the God knows, the, the unmarried dad, the, all of these dads uh, are tackling fatherhood in a really cool, really engaged, committed way, and we're calling them out. We're saying, 
there is no homogenous kind of madman dad that we used to see in the 50s or in 60s. There's there's not that kind of Aussie larrikin dad that we'd see, you know, growing up for me. The guy Norm or whatever from the Life Beyond It ads or got, you know, we won't mention Hey Dad, but there, there have been these kind of very homogenized views of fatherhood that also need to go. They need to be thrown out because, you know, we don't want to say that there's one way to dad and that if your life happens to change direction, you know, you cheat, your partner cheats, your wife dies, you change orientations actually, that that you are written out of fatherhood. You know, this is a, a really important message for us. Got it. Yeah. It's I'm a, talking a lot, Rich. I'm no, the, this is the, the whole point. This is, <laughs> this is perfect, Andrew. <laughs> People want to hear your story, not mine. <laughs> so what were the hardest bits then throughout the, should we say, the, the year writing this then? Like, mm. was it all just a big pile of these amazing stories? Like, how did you actually pull out the bits and, and sort of stitch it together? The hard parts, I think, were probably convincing men that this was a safe space and a good idea (laughs) because, like I said in the beginning, there's a sense where, like, if you and I just suddenly had a few beers and went really deep on fatherhood, there's a vulnerability that very quickly comes into that conversation. There's a real, like, there'd be an Aussie reflex of being self-deprecating or wanting to downplay it or not wanting to to indulge it. Um, So that was hard getting men to we're saying to them guys this is the point is that we go deep and the the value of this conversation is the honesty and just let's just enjoy it like you're telling me how much you love being a dad don't ruin this by then going oh but i still love my mates and you know there's no need so i think that we found but then that quickly started that quickly that quickly perpetuated because people, the, the dads read each other's stories and went, oh, cool, I can just, I can go there. Because um, it's a, you know, far out, man. This is a can of worms, fatherhood. It, it, it really, talking about fatherhood seems to just invariably go to deep places. And that's that's had some trigger responses and awkward moments and, redactions <laughs> is that right to read <laughs> yeah i think so uh, we've had we've had it all um and that's been the hard part but i think i'm really so encouraged and so in awe of the bravery of these guys you know we've got people saying really meaningful things in this book this is not a superficial book this is not a a sort of a party line fluffy book this is men admitting their fears their weaknesses their you know, the, the sort of darkest, darkest thoughts. It's pretty, pretty, pretty brave. Yeah. And you, you say that, and I think both of us feel that, <clears throat> excuse me, there is a, a certain tipping point that we've hit now and uh-huh. things are really starting to change. But what do you see in the next, say, five years? What, what do you think it'll be like in five years' time following on from the sort of conversations you're hearing now? if we can get guys to talk more openly and honestly about what it's like being a dad, the benefits and how to do it and embrace it? It's a good question. And it hinges on whether we succeed. If we fail, and by that I mean 
are easily characterized as a niche dad group that have some kind of niche dad flag to wave, then nothing will change. Um, but if we succeed in essentially becoming a surf brand, which is, I say that sort of tongue in cheek, but not really. I want this to be as generic as Rip Curl, someone to wear a TFH hoodie, T-shirt. If we succeed in breaking through and making fatherhood fucking cool and, and making it um, stand for something that men want to get behind, which is simple, meaningful and solid, then things will be really different because we're going to have young men looking forward to fatherhood and young men getting a, a really excited feeling inside themselves when they're when they get their partners pregnant, you know, or their, their girlfriends or accidentally knock someone up. There's at least a silver lining of, well, now I get to, to join the, you know, I, I get, Luke likes to say the Champions League of manhood. I don't know, but I'm not English, so I don't know what the hell he's talking about. <laughs> Football. <laughs> we really believe that fatherhood is often the making of the man. So um, in five years, if more men feel positive, excited and, and fired up and, and, and that like they have an opportunity through fatherhood, then I'd say that we uh, hopefully will have been a part of that, you know? That's awesome. Mm -hmm. If you were to bump into yourself on the street and you're, the self you've just bumped into is just about to have your first child, mm -hmm. what would you actually say to yourself? What would be the advice you would give yourself in that moment in time? Well, I think the one thing I was never told and the one thing I was never given comfort around is the idea that you can do fatherhood entirely your way and not only is that okay, it's probably the best approach because you have your own strengths, you have your own passions, you have, you know yourself relatively well and no one ever said to me, Andrew, you know, because you, you tend to, like if you're a high achiever or if you're a, a sort of a, you know, a highly strung person, you're going to get pregnant and just freak out and go and buy every book you can and look for how to prepare yourself. And, and that's all fine. And I, I did that to an extent. I can't remember a damn thing I read because <laughs> it all just melts away when you reach that day where you go, I'm doing this the way I, I like to do it and it's working <laughs> and that means that that it's it's not a, it's not only okay I think I'm actually kind of good at this in my own way so I would just take the pressure off that guy and say Andrew I know you probably think you're unprepared and you are and you probably think you don't know what's going to happen and you don't and you probably don't have any homework yet on how you're going to dad and that's optimal <laughs> yeah totally <laughs> just just take the pressure off and do it your way and give you know realize that that's probably the best dad version of you that there is anyway so i think that's what i'd say <laughs> i like it that's a great answer andrew <laughs> trust in yourself trust in yourself and realize that the best possible dad is already there it just needs to be freed and you need to take all all the guilt out of it and all the sense of um, comparison. Like definitely don't compare to other dads and think, well, his bento box has got 
neater carrot sticks than mine. Like these <laughs> things don't mean a damn thing. Like it's just bring the best of yourself to your kids and they will, that's the, that is just the ultimate gift is a happy dad, a secure dad, uh, a dad that's enjoying dadding. You know, if, if, if you're sort of thinking I've got this military list of how I've got to do things, you're an anxious, stressed out dad and you're probably, you know, kids tend not to fall into line. You know, you've got to be pretty fluid. So I think, yeah, it's uh, totally this discovery and journey of, geez, I wonder what kind of dad I'm going to be. And instead of rushing to to being an elite dad and wanting to be awesome at it straight away, you just, uh, you definitely just, I dad it my way. You know, that can be your song. Just sing that to yourself. <laughs> <laughs> was it like an archaeological dig? You just got to peel it away and figure out what sort of dad you are underneath yeah. and, then, and then work with it from then. It's all the bones are there and they come from your own experience. They come from what your dad was. They come from what your dad wasn't. I think a lot of, a lot of what you'll end up wanting to be at, at, at not only presence, but absence. Um, and yeah, it's just, it's, it's going to emerge and you got to back it in. And, and as it starts to emerge, you just, just say, well, that's me as a dad, and I, I like it. And as long as your kids are feeding back to you that they're happy, secure, feeling loved, then you're doing a killer job. And it, if, if it was never in a book, then maybe you should write a book about it. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> we did. <laughs> <Cool>. <laughs> I'm glad you did too, Andrew. <laughs> yeah. And what lessons did you actually take from your dad? Because he was quite an influential figure for you, wasn't he? Um. Hmm. He was influential in the sense that he was my dad, so he was the the, the male modelling um, in my life. I think your dad's very, as much about what you don't want to be as what you do, and it's as much about what you hope to sort of build on rather than what you want to recreate. And my dad was um, a very impressive and learned and articulate and um, charismatic, uh, you know, not charismatic. He was just a very um, competent speaker and a leader. And that was all stuff that I, I, I hoped I could, I could somehow have um, inside me. But also he was a warrior and he was afraid and he was kind of paralyzed and, and he had a lot of dreams that he never realized. So I was probably more influenced by the things I wanted to do differently than the things that he had a lot of great traits. And I just kind of went, oh, well, I hope I've got that, but I definitely want to travel more and I definitely want to worry less and I definitely want to make take more risks and I definitely don't want to be telling my son, oh, I wish I'd done a mission in Papua New Guinea. When before I had you, because that would have been a great dream. Like I don't want to tell my kids what I would have done if they hadn't come along. So, <laughs> um, and that's the thing. That's the interesting thing about like there's a really good question in your in your prep about um, <clears throat> what you want your kids to say about you, and I think and, and what you want to the effect you want to have. And I think there's a great paradox in parenthood, which is whatever you in the ways that you push, they pull. And in the ways that you pull, they push. So um, for, for my dad, yes, there were things I envied and, and hoped that I would have, but I was so much more inspired by the things I didn't want to be and the things I wanted to do differently. Yeah, set the away goals. 
Yes, exactly. Um, good way to put it. What about, I mean, your children now, though? What, what are some of the favorite activities that you're sort of doing with those guys? I think probably the, the greatest, if you think about parenting like a bar, you know, the greatest cocktail of like heady alcoholic pleasure of just getting drunk on fatherhood, the, he- the headiest moments for me and the best cocktail is like a free day with lots of time, no plans and, and a car or a, a stroller or a walk and something to explore. That's like the best activity you could have. It's, it's discovery. It's seeing the world through eyes that aren't cynical and jaded and that haven't seen anything before. And it's about sort of looking at everything with this freshness. Like my favorite thing to do is just go and see stuff through my kids' eyes. It can be anything at all. And, and like their excitement about finding a, a bird's egg or um, finding one of those caterpillars with all the hairs on them, like bright colors, and they're ex- like, it's just, it's, it's incredible. It's like you, you sort of get to be born again yourself. So that sounds really corny, but um, I just like to, and I like to do, bring my kids into my own life so they, I can see it through their eyes and it's exciting again. Like I take my child to work and she she just looks around and is, is I can she's so excited by what she sees and it makes me re-excited by my own life. So super corny answer. <laughs> no, I think it's good because I, I get excited again about the simplest things that I really love, but yeah. you almost get you forget about them because you just take them so for granted. And it's only yeah, when you start having to explain them to your kids, and you're like, "Oh yeah, of course you haven't seen this yet," or "Yeah, of course you haven't you haven't been on a tram yet." Oh yeah, this is epic. Let's go. Let's do this. And you, you get you totally reconnect with the childhood explorer um, or rhythm, like I'll. I'll pick up a guitar and play a certain type of rhythm and they all just move instinctively and it's like, oh, yeah, rhythm is like instinctive and then we just dance for an hour or just, I don't know, I just find it incredibly refreshing and it reminds you of how cynical and and jaded you are (laughs) and how kids just give you you an exit door from adult boring life. Strictures, yeah. Yeah. Cast off the shackles, totally. I I love the the whole sort of... um, idea that any kid can draw any kid can dance any yeah. kid can sing but we kind of learn to not do them and it's yeah, just totally. sort of holding on to that sort of beginner's mind yeah and just it's just kids the incredible virtuous circle of wisdom is that you just i just feel like i'm learning more from them uh, most days and i i, I learn I, I come away with more learnings than they do and they're, they're learning life at zero. So it's a pretty cool thing. That's, it's another really cool thing about parenting is that no one really talks about how much you learn, um, through it, not just about yourself, but about the world. You get to just get a second crack at the world, you know? <laughs> yeah, totally. What, what would you say is one of the things that your, your partner does best with your family as well? Cause obviously you're a team bringing up these kids. Mm-hmm. What's one of the things, what's a shout-out you would give to her? Uh, she's saying everything from the bedroom back there. Um, <laughs> oh, look, Fee, my, my wife is um, incredibly 
patient and tolerant and seems to have this endless reserve of patience and tolerance. Um, I'm a kind of a high twitch creative person and I can be so into it, but I can also be incredibly frustrated. Um, so I think that we're, we're a good team in that way. And I think, um, having a partner that has a sort of a, a slower fuse than you is really, really handy for me. Um, but also she's creative and encourages the kids to explore that side of themselves and, um, I don't know. She just loves him so much. I just think I kind of look at that and think we're a pretty good team because it's not like we're really good cop, bad cop in the affection stakes. Like we're both just extremely committed to being open and loving with our kids. So not to, again, I'm not saying she's better at that, but, um, and we, I don't think you need to have a, have a winner in that stake, but I, I do think as a team, um, there are ways that you can be different, um, but I think it, the ways that we're the same are really cool too. And complementary. Mm. So, uh, and obviously, can you just uh, give us a, a rundown of the ages of your children? Yeah, so I have India's five, Isla is four, and Neve is three. So, um, Clustered nicely. Are, <laughs> yeah, just, um, actually, to go back to the Matt Damon thing, when he said the blur, he, he was like, oh, man, you, you know, there is this complete fog and kind of blur that that starts to descend on life in those early years and we we lost a few years in there i don't know what the hell happened in 2016 at all um so we've we've definitely had some some blurry times um but that's part of the i'm not going to say part of the fun it's just part of the the wild experience of parenting is that time just gets messed the hell up you know it really does what are each of them enjoying the most to do with you? Like, what do you have like individual things that each of them love doing with their dad? Yes, but you've got to work on that. And I think you've got to be careful because I think it's very easy for me. It's very easy to bond with my first child because I had so much of her and she's probably the most similar to me. So it's just, we already have a bit of a mind melt, a bit of a lock. Um, the second child uh, I think is, is quite often, um, you see a lot, there's a lot less photos of them than the first. There's a lot less holidays with them than the first. And you really have to work to make time with them. And the third one is just kind of tagging along as the caboose. And uh, I think it does, it's really hard to, to split off these individual things that you do with each child. But um, the point is just to try and have the time. And, you know, it's always a different type of hangout, you know. Um, but I couldn't typify with you know one is they're all arsy so we do similar things there and i think they just love spending time with me one-on-one on one. they don't care what we do yeah like we i could say to one of them hey it's just you and me let's go sit in the car for an hour they'll be like awesome so <laughs> <laughs> they don't care and that's the thing that's awesome about kids as well is that you realize quite early on that you don't really have to have elaborate plans like you just need to have a bit of time and if you're imaginative, and this is where things like Bluey, I think, are so important, they, they bring home the basic, <laughs> the basic, basic, basic truth of parenting, which is that you can make shit up. Just make it up. Like, you don't need any preconceived ideas about what you're going to do that day. Like, just make stuff up. And kids not only respond to it, they build on it. And, and it just gets, it gets crazy. It gets fun. So, no, to answer your question, I don't have different 
ways to connect with my three kids. I would like to, but I also don't think we should have pressure on ourselves to have that. Like it's just time, you know. And if if there's a message in the fatherhood, it's it's just keep turning up. Like don't put pressure on yourself to turn up for quality time. Like it's it's much more quantity time. Quantity beats quality every day in fatherhood. Yeah, absolutely. And and it is the simple things as well. That you could be putting out the rubbish. But if one of them comes oh, along with you, game. you're just it's, chatting with them. Yeah, so exciting. Or oh, but you just you turn it into, you know, you tell them what why we're doing it and how society works and how we consume stuff and then we put it here and then it goes there and then it goes there and then they start to it's yeah it's it's endless endlessly fun. I, I love the, the the questions that I think in the past parents would generally have probably made something up. But I've tried to be as honest as possible with my kids and get to the point where I actually don't have a clue. And then it's like, ah, oh, okay, right, I've hit a wall here. Got We're going to have to, uh, let's go find some stuff out because I, I don't yeah. know where we go from here. And and it's been like an exploration between us. And then we dive into Google and stuff. And that's that's yeah. been really good fun. And learn, Yeah, learn the world together. And look, I, I do think there's been part of the shift in parenting is that because I say so, because that's the way it is. Like that was a, a sort of a parenting style until very recently. So, and there are some parents who still do that. That's fine. But I think it's way more fun to to try and explain and, and then have a child feedback. Sometimes they say, well, it doesn't make much sense. And you're like, yeah, you're right. It doesn't. <laughs> Why? Yeah. <laughs> it's just, it's it, there can be a real innocence that, um, knocks you off your feet. Yeah, shines a light on the truth. <laughs> or, or, or just pure sense. <laughs> yeah. No, it is great. They're, and they completely have fresh eyes on everything. And I think uh, I find that it's so easy to not listen enough as well. You have to really keep your ears open for everything they're saying because when they do question something, it's so easy to really sort of just close it off as well. And, and it's mm. nice to just open it up and just explore that. Oh, yeah. And I, I wonder what that would be like with if mm. we did this as well. And, and it's like because, I mean, one of your passions is telling stories, isn't it? And you can just go off on a completely amazing <laughs> tangent from any, any little seed of something in the day. Yeah. And, and I just think, you know, again, this dynamic of parenthood where you had to be the the pedagogue and the teacher and the, the, you know, you had to know everything. I just think it'll be interesting to see what the effect of all this kind of modern parenting is because it's just a whole different message to say to your kids, hey, I don't know everything. Hey, I'm going to have to Google Recycling Center as well. Like let's yeah, – it's, it's interesting because it's a very different dynamic and kind of – honesty so i think like you talked about five years from now i think the interesting effect will be felt intergenerationally like what what comes of this like we have stats in the book about the effect of engaged parenting on on a generation and it is that there's infinitely less incarceration infinitely less drug abuse infinitely less mental health issues so you know there's, there's real hope for what your style of exploring the seed of anything is versus your dad who would have just said, it's the way it is, son. Stop bugging me. <laughs> Maybe. Yes. Stop Maybe. asking silly questions. <laughs> I can remember being told, just no more questions, mate. <laughs> I was asking about 
why the moon was big on the horizon, which was I thought was a really good question when I was five years old. But it's like, still a great question now, and if you have an answer to that, I'd love to hear it. No, I don't. I'm just, <laughs> All right, we're, we're hitting Google after this. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, something to do with the atmosphere. Yeah, blah blah blah. <laughs> Oh, no, it's fantastic because it, it is, it's all those things as well. Like you walk outside uh, and one of the examples, the reason why I mentioned was putting the rubbish out is because we went outside and it was one of those beautiful starry nights and you've got the, uh, one of the amazing things we have where we live is you can see the Milky Way. It's absolutely yeah. mind blowing. And we yeah. just stood there looking up and, and I realized that that sort of spark of, I know passion when I was a kid and I, I loved sort of diving into astronomy and, and all that sort of stuff. I, I, I imagine a, a large proportion of kids want to be astronauts at some stage. And, mm. and it is, it's like mm-hmm. the, the possibility you see it in their, their faces are like anything is possible. And I, and I think it's, it's that sort of inspiration. I think that they, they, they can do anything. And I think as long as we just get out of the way and, and be as supportive on the sidelines, it's mm. it's going to be exciting times in the future, for sure. Now, um, now I know that you've got a lot on this week because you're preparing for the the book launch at the weekend. Yes. Is there anything that you'd like to throw out there to the audience before we sign off and I'll let you get back to things? Oh, look, just I just want to give everyone a pat on the back. If you're listening to this, you're trying to be a better dad. If you're if you're engaging with podcasts about fatherhood. You're hundred percent part of the hood, you know. You're you're one of us. Um, there's lots of us. There's there's ways we can connect. Um, don't feel alone. Don't feel um, that you know. Men men are hopeless at forming social networks. Women are amazing at this. Like we. We, we we can be better at this. We can we can we can do this. <laughs> like have a look at our fun stuff on social media. Um, get the book and and surround yourself with the camaraderie that we're creating here. Like because we, I just want whoever's listening to feel that you're part of something, and we we are a, a movement, and it's nothing to be sort of particularly lionized, and we're not heroes, and we don't want you know. Um, what is it called? The purple cross. We don't want rewards. It's just, I think, um, there's just that sense of being in this together and sharing our experience and, um, just a big old pat on the back and a, and a man hug for, for the work we're all doing. And, uh, you know, I'm proud of everyone. We're, 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 we're a big tribe and, and hopefully through things like this podcast and the book, we, we start to get called out more. We call each other out. We we connect through fatherhood because, again, women are really good at meeting and very quickly saying, oh, you're a mother too. Fantastic. What age are your kids? What do they do? Suddenly there's this great bond between them. Men have 10 things they'll discuss <laughs> bond up yeah. before they fatherhood. So totally. we, want to make, we want to make this something that goes right up the front. Yeah. I'll talk about your kids um, and then, again, whatever – Age your kids are, whatever state of fatherhood you're in, divorced, single, gay, anything. Um, we we have this great thing in common, um, and yeah, that's the, that's what I want to say is that um, let's hope that and let's let's keep doing what we're doing. <laughs> awesome, I love it. And it's funny, Andrew, because as you were saying that, one of the things that struck me was 
there's so many things in our societies that divide us. You know, it's like whether you're a footy team or a political party or something like that. And and it's it's well known that the best way to break down bridges is to find a commonality between someone you're talking to. So maybe it should be. It's the first question we get straight out there to people with. You know, there might be a very difficult situation. As soon as we realize we're both fathers, we're both, I know, having certain issues with a certain kid, that's a commonality. Immediately, we're part of a brotherhood. You know, there's there's something that we're sharing there. And like someone on LinkedIn had this really cool idea that on LinkedIn you should put your, your fatherhood status before your career, because before your title, before you, and I think that's a really cool metaphor for what could be, which is just men bonding through fatherhood and helping each other and uh, and, and just supporting each other in, in a very, again, not in any kind of an uncomfortable way that's forcing intimacy or forcing vulnerability. It's just you're a dad, I'm a dad. What age are your kids? Shit. Wait, wait, let's, oh, I remember that phase, you know, how you doing with it? Or, oh, tell me about what that's like and, you know, prepare me for it. Like this is all stuff that I think will become a much more commonplace thing. And I think in a way, like Prince William <clears throat> made a very big point of saying, I changed my son's first nappy as a badge of honor. And I think that's an example of the conversations that are coming to us, which is that um, <clears throat> I've survived three kids under three. And having another guy say, badge of honor to you, mate, well done. <laughs> and, you know, we can still talk about football and have 10 beers and do all the normal things, but um, we just want, want fatherhood to be in there because there's a lot of dads suffering alone. There's a dark side to what we're talking about here. Men bottom out at two points in their life, at the first child and at retirement. So there's a real need for, for, for men to feel that camaraderie at that point in their life. And I didn't feel it when I had my first kid. I felt very alone. Uh, Even though I had friends with kids, this wasn't sort of the, 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 the outreach. There wasn't the, it wasn't easy to talk about how hard I was finding it. So, um, yeah, let's, let's bring all that to the table and, you know, um, probably, you know, I was going to say, enjoy this for what it is and, and enjoy the, the camaraderie of being in a team and a tribe, like men love being in teams. So there's a lot of us that are in the biggest team of all. (laughs) Yeah, totally. And what's the best way that guys can connect with you? Uh, Look, the the hyphen father hyphen hood.com has daily news, daily stories, daily inspiration, daily celebrations of other dads, daily stories, just so you can read about other people's experience um, social media is a pretty fun place where we, we mostly just post kids falling off things and, dad's, um, dad's falling off things, <laughs> dad's falling off things. Uh, it, it's, it's just a way for us to, you know, give people a bit of a light, um, uh, serotonin boost during the day. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, from there we, we're having events that are coming up. The book is, is a great resource. It's a great, um, it's a real kind of, it's it's just a, a hit of adrenaline and, and a hit of positivity. So, you know, you buy this book and leave it around. You open it on a random page, you're going to get something that feeds your life back to you with a bit of a boost. So um, that's a good one to have around too. And, look, we just hope that in years to come, the fatherhood is literally this this neighborhood of, of like-minded dads who um, – 
at just living this and loving it. Well, Andrew, it's uh, it's really amazing to see that this has come together. You guys have been working so hard. I, mm-hmm. I wish you all the best, and I am totally gunning for you because I think this is amazing. So um, thanks, <laughs> thanks ever so much for spending time with me this evening and, and sharing your story with us all. For the record, our first podcast appearance, so hopefully the first of a first, few. First of many, first of many, no yeah. doubt. So, um, yeah, like I say, wish you all the best and uh, looking forward to uh, hearing great things over the coming weeks. Rich, thanks so much. Well, thanks ever so much for listening. Don't forget to check out Andrew's new book, The Fatherhood. I'll include a link in the show notes on the website at thedadmindset.com. I totally agree with Andrew that there is a really positive change in the overall conversations about being a father, and I, for one, am really excited by it. If you can think of anyone that would benefit from listening uh, to this podcast, if you could share a link with them, I'd really appreciate your help. And if you have any suggestions or feedback for me to help me improve the show, I'd love to hear from you. You can contact me through the website, thedadmindset.com. Well, I hope you have an amazing week. Hang in there, be kind to yourself, and enjoy your caffeinated beverage.